Okay, so I'm definitely raw dogging this uh, testimonial here, but I uh, I definitely subscribe to Unbalanced because of the informational aspect it brings to uh, awareness of fascism, and uh, it doesn't the the podcast doesn't necessarily like to me push any agenda. It is simply bringing forth information why this is this way or why that is that way. And I think this podcast does an amazing job in doing that. And they really are doing their research. This is just a podcast that you need to listen to. Yeah, but you got to have uh, a little, what do they call road soda, you know? <laughs> and we're, we're getting out on the road. We're starting the car up. Got to have soda for the road. Pure class, man. <laughs> Before, that's, that's, that's basically what this program is. It's just like the podcasting equivalent of drunk driving, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Highbrow stuff. Mm. Please tell your in-laws. Pure class. Mm-hmm. Well, welcome back for another edition of Unbalanced MN. I'm Miles Bragg. And I am Logan Carroll. And we are here on a frosty Friday afternoon, and we thought we would bring you the news. Yeah, just sitting here in the city of angels mm. and pigs. What mm. is it? What's St. Paul? You know, I'm not sure. <laughs> not sure. I'm pretty, pretty new to this part of town. Mm. But yeah, what's new with you, Logan? What is new with me? Uh... Not too terribly much to report. Been swimming up to my eyeballs in a very particular neo-fascist theorist, which we're going to dig into in the next episode. We're taking, I just decided to take a little break. You know, we're platforming a fascist theorist. We got to be careful about that. So I'm just taking some time to be careful. Yeah, platforming might be a little bit generous of a word, but we're we're trying to give him the spotlight that he deserves. Oh, yeah, no. And I don't That's think he, he's had it yet, so I'm very excited about that. I did see an article. We're talking about Bronze Age Pervert. Uh, we'll talk Spoiler about, alert. Well, the reasons why I love this particular individual uh, next episode, but uh, there was an article just two days ago in... What was the publication? Let me pull it up here really quick. Um so this is an article on the website Unheard by Murtaza Hussein, who is a reporter at The Intercept, focusing on national security and foreign policy. The name of the article is The Importance of Bronze Age Pervert, and this was published January 26, 2022. So three days ago as we record this. Um, he's starting to finally, as he said, get the attention he deserves. I think we're going to have the definitive episode on his life and history, his influences, his ideology. I'm very excited about it. Yes. Just been 
living and drinking up the All glory that is the pervert. The pervert um, <laughs> have been thoroughly dominated. I can't. I can't wait to by the power of his will. <laughs> I can't wait yes. for you folks to understand <laughs> these jokes because this guy is quite the figure. But you, what's new with you? Oh, you know, same you... stuff, different day. You know, <laughs> same stuff. You're always coy. You're always coy. It's like you don't want to talk about all these uh, these bombings that you're orchestrating oh, with all your <laughs> Logan, your Antifa friends. I can't believe you said it. No, we're lower cat. We're lowercase Antifa, not hmm. all caps Antifa. So gotcha. A little less screamy, a little less explodey. Yeah, we're more chill. Like you know. We kind of just don't like Nazis in our neighborhood yeah. types. You know what I mean? That's reasonable. That's the chill reasonable. end of that, you know? Yeah, no. And, uh, you know, limit yourself to those, you know, dry ice in two-liter pop bottles. That's not even really a bomb. Right. right. Does not meet the Wikipedia definition for a bomb I read the other day. Man. So, there you go. Fact for you. I wonder what the FBI and shit would have thought of my teenage days when I was mixing up that kind of shit, you know, 409 bombs and firecrackers. Where did we get all these fireworks from? I'm from South Dakota. That's where I got them from. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. July 5th. Yeah. Half price. <laughs> but yeah, uh, should we get into the, some of this news? Yeah, yeah. Maybe just to say really quick, we got, uh, we're taking a little bit of extra time. So just to stop there being a complete cricket sound whooshing out of the absence of our posting we're doing a just a news and views episode that you are taking the lead on and i appreciate it oh yeah yeah well you know you're knee deep in pervert shit and i'm you know just knee deep yeah, in these headlines trying to trying to make sense of what's going on so i don't know it's worth sharing i think it is and we're gonna touch on pervert again today i believe right you're gonna touch the pervert oh man man <laughs> Hopefully. You said it. <laughs> oh, dude, man. You can't throw that. You can't leave that low-hanging fruit for me. That, oh, no. I, no, no. It was intentional. It was intentional. Like I said, thoroughly dominated by the power of his will. I'm uh, <laughs> completely sissified high, by high, Bronze Age pervert. <laughs> Highbrow program. Highbrow. Highbrow. Oh. First item from Kelly Weil at the Daily Beast. San Diego DA goes after Antifa with conspiracy charges, has history of far-right sympathies. A district attorney pressing an unusual slate of conspiracy charges against anti-fascist protesters previously had a campaign site accusing philanthropist George Soros of funding anti-fascists to increase crime. San Diego County District Attorney Summer Stephen has brought a sweeping new conspiracy case against left-wing protesters who counter-demonstrated at a pro-Trump rally in San Diego on January 9th, that would be 2021, last year. The result was a beachside brawl during which rally goers on the right flashed a knife and a BB gun and protesters on the left fired pepper spray. But rather than result in simple assault charges, Stephen is pressing conspiracy charges and only against demonstrators on the left. Hmm. 
Stephen has a history of obsessing about the anti-fascist movement. In 2018, while running against philanthropist challenger Genevieve Jones-Wright, Stephen's campaign paid for a website that accused billionaire philanthropist George Soros of supporting Jones-Wright's campaign because he, quote, backs anti-law enforcement candidates over experienced prosecutors trying to tip the balance to the criminals, end quote. The campaign ran directly under a picture of black-clad anti-fascists, one of multiple such pictures that ran alongside photographs of Soros on the website. The website, which has since been removed, drew backlash. Soros, a Holocaust survivor, is a frequent target of anti-Semitic conspiracy theories, including those that accuse him of funding Antifa. Um, <clears throat> oh, just that, like, yeah, here's this globalist Jewish financier who's funding lefty terrorists to cause crime in America. Like, Seems a little bit simple, doesn't it? Yeah, and straight down the line, classic anti-Semitism. Oh, it is. It's just... But if you ask them, they'd probably say, I don't hate Jewish people. I know Jewish people. Mm. My brother-in-law is Jewish. Uh... Well, this is interesting. Like, like I've been listening to... Uh, I listened to this really phenomenal episode of Know Your Enemy, where they talk about Your favorite. It, the uh, birth of uh, anti-Semitism in France around the French French Revolution, mm. and like classic anti-Semitism is not just about like I don't like Jewish people. It's about believing that there's a global conspiracy of Jewish financiers who are using their power and influence to bring about the ruin of white civilization. Yeah. <laughs> And now she's charging lefties with ridiculous cons conspiracy mm -hmm. because of a bar brawl. Felony conspiracy. Pepper spray got shot. Which is, yeah, as opposed to like, it, like they said, in any other place at any other time, these would be simple assault charges. But because this particular DA has a, a thorn in her side about Antifa, mm -hmm. she feels it necessarily not only to throw felony charges... But only at one side, even though yeah, yeah. you can demonstrably prove that the right-wingers that day, this was three days after January 6th, uh -huh. they had just came back from a big oorah ass-kicking on the other side of the country. And, I mean, there's plenty mm -hmm. of video and documentation of this rally. It was really something to behold. There was journalists that were getting assaulted by Trump supporters and things. You're talking about the uh, California rally? Yeah, the... in San Diego. Okay. Yep. January 20th, 2017, the inauguration of Donald Trump. There was a giant protest in Washington, D.C. A big kettle took place of, you know, a bunch of these so-called black bloc participants or whatever. And it resulted in like 200 plus conspiracy charges being thrown at them. Most of them, I, I believe the whole trial was pretty much dismissed because they were... Uh, using Project Veritas footage and stuff like that, altered footage, and yeah, we'll get into that. But yeah. it's crazy that they're they want to take this step and just label one half of the the political aisle as extremist because they oppose the previous president. Okay. So when the Times of San Diego questioned Stephen about that website and anti-Semitism in 2018, she walked away from the interview without comment. Whoa. In uh, September 2020, Stephen again appeared to suggest that leftist protests were secretly motivated by nefarious interests. Quote, 
we've seen where there's the peaceful protest and all of a sudden another group comes showing up without license plates with generators and water and there's not good things that are happening. She continues <laughs> adding that untoward events are unfolding behind the scenes. Kind of, yeah, uh, you're looking at me a certain way. It reminds me of, you listen to 1280 AM, The Patriot. I am familiar with that radio station. Right-wing station? Yeah. It's fucking nuts. I mean, yeah, like, these right-wing radio hosts usually don't engage in conspiracy theories, not super overt, not super crazy, weird, strange ones, but they constantly just play clips of people calling in who just say the craziest shit yeah. about, like, the U.S. government is manufacturing the increase in inflation mm -hmm. for whatever nonsense fucking reason. Right. The, the conspiratorialness of this is insane and i feel like for for years and years and years it just got laughed at until it exploded into the mainstream and, and this is the you said the county prosecutor for yeah for san, san diego. diego county yeah which is a right-wing area historically and home to a lot of money but this is a step beyond a steven spokesperson declined to offer more information at the time and the Times of San Diego noted that online commenters interpreted Stevens' remarks as another allusion to Soros. A Stevens spokesperson didn't return the Daily Beast's request for comment either. Unfounded conspiracy theories about roving anti-fascists, especially in suspicious vehicles, were popular with elected officials in 2020, with one such hoax leading to an extensive police manhunt in California that year. Those theories promoted a vision of Antifa, all, all caps, as a well-organized, unified organization with significant funding, instead of what it actually is, a loosely affiliated political movement with some localized groups. Mm -hmm. People like Donald Trump, who promoted the myth of, an, of a vast anti-fascist conspiracy, sometimes stylized the movement as Antifa, all caps, charging documents in the San Diego case do the same. There's this really weird, but I really liked a documentary called, I think it's called Character. And the, the, the filmmaker just interviews four men um, about just their lives, and they hit on a lot of the same themes, and, and just they're from wildly different backgrounds. And one of them is a, oh my gosh, I can't remember his name, but he's a, a left-wing terrorist, a European left-wing terrorist, a German left-wing terrorist from the 60s, 70s mm -hmm. when he was active, who like renounced political violence eventually, and but he's talking about his time as a terrorist and the shit they did. I mean, I'm, I cracked a joke about you making bombs. Lefties in America don't make bombs. No, they, they, they don't no. like left-wing violence. Sure. is possible. But like this guy, like literally hijacked a plane full of people and flew it to a foreign country and mm -hmm. held them as hostages. Yeah. Like he was, I mean, it was a big conspiracy. It wasn't just him. It was lots of people. I mean, like, that's a lot closer to terrorism than what these people are describing. Yeah. You you look at real historical left-wing political violence, mm -hmm. shit isn't, that is not what Antifa is, even at right. its most extreme here. Right. I mean, I, I hate to, you know, try to quantify it, but especially if you compare it to right-wing violence, uh, who am I thinking of? Oklahoma City. You know what I mean? That was one guy. And leveled an entire federal building, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's why we take this stuff seriously. Um, <laughs> those conspiracy charges rely on several misconceptions about the anti-fascist movement, experts say. It doesn't help that Stephen has previously promoted some of those misconceptions on the campaign trail. 
Michael Lodenthal, executive director of the Prosecution Project, a research program tracking felony prosecution of political violence, said that some of the case's more core conspiracy claims stemmed from simple acts like defendants wearing black clothing. Quote, it has this equation of political organizing as akin to criminal conspiracy, end quote, Lodenthal told the Daily Beast. He continues, the acts in furtherance of, which are always a big part of a charging document, in this case include things as mundane as clothing choices, end quote. The January 9th brawl took place in the shadow of the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. The San Diego event, advertised as a Patriot March, saw participation from multiple right-wing groups and at least five people who had been present at the Capitol just three days earlier, the appeal reported at the time. One journalist filmed a marcher throwing a Nazi salute at counter-protesters while fellow rally-goers shouted, Fuck Antifa. Reporters on the scene described a clash between the right, the left, and cops. An appeal reporter was struck with a right-wing participant's smoke grenade and documented two Patriot March participants who wielded a knife or a BB gun. It's worth noting that police reports also do note the presence of those weapons. Um, charging documents filed by Stevens' office this month only focus on the fight's leftist participants. Participants. The case's 11 defendants are described as spraying people with mace, throwing a chair and bottles, using a taser on someone, and striking people with fists and other objects. All of those charges, if proven in court, could result in serious assault convictions for individual defendants. But the case is more complicated than in a typical street fight. Instead of holding each defendant accountable for individual acts, it accuses them and potential other, quote, unidentified co-conspirators as a, of a prearranged conspiracy to riot. This more serious charge would hold counter-protesters responsible for each other's actions. Sort of embedded in that too with like the rest of the details of the case is the way it lets prosecutors be selective. Mm-hmm about which protests they charge en masse right. for the behavior of individuals right. who are there. The argument poses a risk to people's freedom of assembly, said Dylan Petrahilos, a graphic designer who faced similar charges in a now-dismissed 2017 conspiracy case. Quote, it was a bit of deja vu for me seeing those conspiracy to riot charges, Petrahilos told those tilde said of the San Diego case. Social movements, even loosely affiliated ones, can be sitting ducks for conspiracy charges, so long as participants are seen as communicating with each other, he said. It's very easy for prosecutors then to add those conspiracy charges to social movements. Even things like bringing signs, uh, protected free speech activity, can easily be criminalized because prosecutors think everyone got a memo. End quote. For our last piece, this one's from It's Going Down and their blog This Week in Fascism. White supremacist misogynist Lyndon McLeod targets and kills five people in Denver. On Monday, December 24th, a man named Lyndon McLeod drove from Denver metro area to Lakewood, Colorado, shooting and killing indigenous artists, hotel staff, and members of Denver's tattoo community. McLeod killed five people and injured two. He broke into houses, tattoo shops, and entered the Hyatt Hotel where he was shot and killed by law enforcement. McLeod's rampage of violence was a page out of his own book, a manifesto titled Sanctions, 
where he fantasized about killing several of the people whose lives he stole on December 28th. Alicia Cardenas of Soul Tribe Tattoo was targeted and killed, along with beloved community members Alyssa Gunn Maldonado, Sarah Steck, Danny Dano Schofield, and Michael Swinyard. McLeod operated a handful of social media accounts under the alias Roman McClay. McLeod took inspiration from the neo-Nazi occult pyramid scheme Wolves of Vinland slash Operation Werewolf. His books and his lifestyle embodied themes of violence, misogyny, hypermasculinity, and racism. He frequently appeared in the replies of people like Andy No, where he called for violence against Antifa, and is followed by alt-right grifter Mike Cernovich. Much of McLeod's book seems to be directly influenced by Jack Donovan. Donovan is a fascist male tribalist that has written for and spoken at the White Nationalist Conference American Renaissance in the past. Uh, Donovan also hosted McLeod on his podcast. Since the murders, McLeod is being celebrated across the worst parts of the internet. But yeah, unfortunately, this is just, you know, the most recent example of an individual just wound way too tight, probably facing some individual or, you know, some mental issues or material issues in his life, falling down the wrong rabbit hole over a series of years and finally lashing out in a rampage of violence. And it just, it always makes me sad. And um, that's why I feel like I I try to do this work and try and like attack the ideas that are being presented by these guys because it's just, this is where it leads. A while back, I wrote a story about how Roger Chamberlain was sharing Bronze Age pervert. Yeah. Well, after McLeod went on his spree, um, I don't know who found it originally, but uh, Luke Turner on Twitter mm. posted a thread just going through all the tweets McLeod had done uh, praising up Bronze Age pervert mm. um, mm-hmm. and his book and highlighting passages where Bronze Age pervert is calling for like big masculine explosions of suicidal violence wow. and shit like that. Chamberlain actually shared... Like retweeted one of McLeod's praises of Bronze Age pervert. Fun <laughs> oh. confluence of those three figures. Um, Roger Chamberlain. He's a state rep, isn't he? State senator. State senator. He is the chair of the K-12 Education Committee. So, you know, people are wondering, I mean, th- this guy is right in our own backyard if you're in the Twin Cities. As part of like going through this, I spent a couple hours just going through a lot of these like podcast appearances that McLeod made. And there was one that was like really, I don't know, man, it was sort of alarming in that like McLeod's talking in 2019 when he published his book, which just a point of clarification, it wasn't a manifesto. It was a sci-fi trilogy. Mm. Um, Yeah. Um, I haven't. A trilogy? Trilogy. I thought it was only a single book. No. I heard it was like something over like 800 pages though. Oh, it's like like. It's Wikipedia has a list of the longest novels and it's on there <laughs> and it achieved some success. Like people talked about it like it was a new Dune. Jesus. Um, and so there's this podcast appearance where he's talking to like a woman who identifies as recovering feminist mm. um, about, and she's just like all about like, yeah, what are the proper rules for men and women? And that's like a big part of the conversation. At one point, McLeod's talking about writing the book that he had, and this is 2019, the appearance, and he's talking about a couple years before that, he had a business venture go south. Um, He had happened to buy some land uh, up 
outside Denver, up in the woods, out in the mountains, whatever. I don't know where, but he talked about like when it all went to hell, he just like retreated to this land and built his house and mm. went hunting. And there was actually a line there about how like, but I know, like he's like, I know I'm privileged because not everybody can do that when they go through hard times. But he says like, I don't know what I would have done if uh, if I hadn't had this book to work on. And it was just like an opportunity. Then he says that like, it was like a, he was like writing his own eulogy. Mm. That, that he knew that if he died, he wanted this left behind. And as you pointed out, part of the book was a character that shares his name mm-hmm. um, going on a murder spree and killing several people whose names are exactly the same as the people that he killed in his spree in the ways that he killed them. Um, and especially the connection to Bronze Age pervert and the, the, the extent to which Bronze Age pervert in his book, he like constantly praises this like mythological figures that go on suicidal killing sprees like uh, Achilles and shit like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And how great and wonderful that is as a way to like reclaim the masculine spirit and whatever. And you said like, I don't, I don't want to let McLeod off the hook. Like, I don't think it was as simple as he read some bad things and then got a brain worm in it and it controlled Mm -hmm. his mind or anything like that. It was like he constructed a worldview whereby when he had nothing else to lose, the way that he could like reclaim that feeling of masculine superiority was by going on a violent rampage. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was. He was ideologically aided in that endeavor. Yeah. You know? yeah. I, I don't think he was confused. I think sure. he made like a rational decision about what he was going to do. I just I feel like I've known several of these kinds of guys. Maybe they didn't have these same ideological flavors. You know what I mean? But they were enraptured or troubled by these questions of our societal direction or what masculinity means to them or dealing with traumatic things from childhood and things like that. And so like, I, I'm, I'm always trying to have some empathy yeah, to a degree because it's important not to let go of that. But also he was a fucking murderous maniac and I hope he rots in hell if there is such a place. <laughs> so you know, just being honest there. So, yeah, that will be our next episode, right? Yeah. We're talking about Mr. Pervert, whose real name is... Costin Almaru. Almaru, yes. And his popular text, Bronze Age Mindset. Um, so, please keep uh, keep an eye out for that. Keep an ear out for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We appreciate you joining us for another News and Views episode of our humble program we're grateful y'all taking this trip with us I feel like we were not uh, my feedback on the last episode that I kept getting was how funny we were how much yeah. fun we were having I don't feel like we're having fun tonight I, uh, I left it on a, a little, somber uh, note it's a little heavy night man do you know any jokes I know any jokes um uh, I'm teaching my son to make fart noises. That's about as highbrow. I'm, again, highbrow Boom. show though. Boom. Let me, let me See, no, I, just knowing you and classic. meeting your kid and knowing that love and happiness, that exchange that happens with fart noises, 100%. I, that, that turned it around for me. <laughs> my spirit is lifted. I'm heartened, dear Logan. Ascended to the heights. <laughs> 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 
But seriously, we appreciate you folks listening. Uh-huh. Please follow us on Twitter if you haven't already at unbalanced underscore MN. And please, if you haven't already, feel free, if you are able, to throw us some dollars on the Patreon account. That's patreon.com slash unbalanced MN. And we'll have some bumper music included for you tonight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That'll be good. And also, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure what else. Some, something. Okay. I think that's it. That's it. All right. Hells yeah, I'm ready to be done. We're out of here. Have a good week. Have a good week. Go still in mountain. Mountain. Come on. You need to be the harmony. Mountain. <laughs> I don't know the lyrics, but Well, I know the, I know how it ends. I kinda like I'm I'm I remixed the lyrics when I listened to it in the car. <laughs> Spew Chowchescu, which is a reference to Bronze Jade Pervert. Is it really? Oh, God, that guy's so much in the DNA of this uh, podcast. Directly responsible for it. You may not have known that, but... Oh, yeah. Friend of the show, Bronze Age Pervert. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, cool.